what exactly is the human mind? Lord Krishna talks about the human mind in Bhagavad Gita. He says, for those who have conquered the human mind, it works like a friend. And for those who have failed to do so, it acts as their worst enemy. So, understanding the nature of mind and understanding how to control our mind is extremely important to live a fulfilled life. So, in this video, we will go very deep to understand the mind at the fundamental level. We will look at various teachings from Bhagavad Gita to Psycho-Cybernetics to actually understand how to take control of various levels of the mind and how to create our lives consciously by manifesting the life that we actually want to live. The Advaita channel is about conscious living and conscious creation. Here, we explore various spiritual teachings and Vedanta from ancient India to understand the nature of reality and to consciously create our lives. So if you are interested in all this, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. In section 1, we will look at the nature of mind as explained by ancient Vedanta. So Vedanta is the study of the Upanishads. The teachings of the Upanishads is Vedanta. And Upanishads were given to us by the ancient rishis of India over 10,000 years ago. And these texts and these teachings elaborately talk about the nature of mind and the nature of reality. Basically, Vedanta tells us that our mind is the subtle body. Just like how we have this physical body made up of physical matter, the mind is the subtle body made up of subtle matter. These are called Sukshma Panchabhutas. So, even mind is considered as matter in Vedanta. And this mind derives its existence from consciousness. So the mind is also described as Antakkarana. This Antakkarana has four parts, which is Manas, Buddhi, Ahankara and Chitta. All these four aspects of the mind, which is memory, intellect, ego and the reflected consciousness, all these four aspects together form what we call the human mind. And this mind simply acts as a mirror for that universal consciousness and it derives its existence from that pure consciousness. And this mind functions based on sensory data and sensory inputs. Now think about this. However your mind is functioning and the thoughts and the thinking that is going on within your mind, it is all based on the sensory inputs. Now I am talking about a particular subject and your mind is contemplating about it and it is thinking about it. When you go and see a sunset, your mind is contemplating on the sunset. And even when your mind is thinking about the past memories, it is thinking about the sensory inputs from the past. So the mind, the way it functions, it is heavily dependent on sensory inputs and sensory data. This is why we need to take control of the five senses in order to take control of our minds. Now we all know the five primary sense organs which are called as the Jnanendriyas, which are your eyes, nose, skin, tongue, etc. So we receive a lot of sensory data and sensory inputs from these five senses. And this data is consumed by the mind and it is recycled by the mind. So we need to take control of our five sense organs in order to take control of our life. And we need to understand that our thoughts are simply recycled memories. So we need to optimize our environment and we need to only focus 
on positive things. We need to see positive things. We need to talk about good things and we need to listen to good things in order to have a positive and a good life. In section 2, I will talk about the relationship between the mind and consciousness. Like how we understood in the previous section, mind is reflected consciousness. That pure consciousness, when it reflects upon our antakarana, which is the inner instrument, it acts as an individual mind and it gets its individual identity through the ego. And through our identification of our ego, we perform various things in this world. We take up various activities in this world. And because of all this, we generate karma. So it is the nature of the subtle body and the mind to remember things. So whatever we do, our sukshma sharira or the mind remembers it. This is the way karma works. So there is no one else outside of us who is judging us and who is keeping account of the things we do. But it is the nature of our own mind to remember things and to remember all the experiences that we have ever experienced. And since as per the teachings of Hinduism, our subtle body goes through various physical bodies as different life forms in different births. This subtle body remembers all the intentions, all the actions it performs during those lifetimes and this constitute karma. And because of karma, we will get a certain kind of a mind and a subtle body today in this life. And this subtle body or the mind is a mask. It is not truly who we are as per the teachings of Vedanta. We need to understand that this mind simply is a mask that pure consciousness is wearing to experience this reality temporarily. But we have right now identified with this mask and we think that we are this mask. But this mind is simply a filter that we are using to perceive this world. And the primary parameters of this filter is time, space and causation. So our mind can never understand anything beyond time, beyond space and beyond causality. This is the limitation of human mind. This is the primary parameters of the human mind. And then there are various secondary parameters that we acquire because of our karma and because of our life experiences. So each one of us hold various belief systems, hold a certain kind of a self-view, hold a certain kind of a worldview deep within our subconscious mind. And this is determining the way in which our mind thinks and this is determining the way in which we live our lives. So here we need to understand that the secondary parameters are very malleable and we can change this in order to transform our mind and in order to transform our lives. And Adi Shankaracharya says in Nirvana Shatakam, Mano buddhi ahankara chittani naham na chashrotra jivve na chagrana netre na chavyoma bhumir na tejo na vayu chidananda rupa shivoham shivoham. Here Shankaracharya is telling us that I am not the four aspects of mind. I am not the manas, buddhi, ahankara and chitta and instead I am that pure consciousness and I am the nature of that pure consciousness. So through this, the first thing that we need to do 
is to detach ourselves from this external world and this identification with this body and mind. So we need to first of all come to a zero point and detach with our current personality. We can do this by simply observing our environment and by simply witnessing what is happening within our body and mind simultaneously. So when you try to do this, when you come to a place of stillness and simultaneously if you try to witness what is happening outside of you and within you, you will come to this place of absolute stillness or zero point. And through this practice, we can shift towards conscious living. Let us now go deep here to understand the nature of the mind. Now we need to look at human mind as an instrument, as a device and nothing more. Most of us have identified ourselves with our minds. We think that we are the mind with a body. But Vedanta clearly tells us that we are not our bodies and we are not our minds. But instead we are that pure consciousness which has right now identified itself with the instrument of mind and is perceiving the world through the filter or the lens of the mind. So as per my interpretation of Vedantic scriptures, the mind is the intersection of pure consciousness and the physical body or the physical realm. So mind is the point of contact between that pure consciousness and the material world and the physical body. And therefore, I think the mind derives its existence and its nature partially from consciousness and partially from the physical realm. Now imagine a person was wearing glasses with red colored lens and he was walking around and he was perceiving the world. Whatever he looks at will appear red to him. He will see red sky, red cars, red road and red trees. This doesn't mean that the trees, the car and the sky is actually red. This is simply the nature of the lens through which he is viewing the world. Just like this, we need to understand that mind itself is a filter. And whatever we perceive, we are perceiving through the filter of that mind. And because of this, we are not seeing the world as it is, but instead we are perceiving things through the limitations that we have in our mind. And the primary parameters of this mind is time, space and causation. So, we need to understand that time, space and causality actually do not exist. But it is the nature of the mind. It is the nature of the filter that we are using to perceive this world. That is why we cannot go beyond time and beyond space. It is simply beyond the mind. And most of us are yet to discover the nature of reality by going beyond the mind. And consciousness comes first, then comes the mind and after that comes the body. When we understand this sequence, we understand which is more important. If we simply realize ourselves to be that infinite consciousness, we will realize our infinitude and we will go beyond suffering and beyond the limitations of the mind. Here, if we go even deeper, we can explore the speech of Swami Vivekananda titled The Powers of the Mind. And in this talk, 
he elaborately explains various metaphysical attributes of mind swami vekananda says here that our mind has various layers to it we are only familiar with the surface level which is the conscious mind and as we go deeper and deeper we will reach what is called as the universal mind where all the minds are connected and we can actually through practice access this universal mind this is how thought transference happens this is how telepathy happens and this is how intuitions come to us and now i'll just read a few sentences from the speech of swami vivekananda the mind is universal your mind my mind all these little minds are fragments of that universal mind little waves in the ocean and on account of this continuity we can convey our thoughts directly to one another you see what is happening all around us the world is one of influence part of our energy is used up in preservation of our own bodies beyond that every particle of our energy is day and night being used in influencing others our bodies our virtues our intellect and our spirituality all these are continuously influencing others and so conversely we are being influenced by them this is going on all around us so like this swami vivekananda goes very deep in explaining the metaphysical nature of human mind and we had done a video on this and i will link it up in the description for you to go and see this here it is very relevant for me to talk about the law of hypnotic rhythm which was given to us by napoleon hill who was the famous author of think and grow rich now he has also written another book called outwitting the devil and here he speaks about the law of hypnotic rhythm This hypnotic rhythm is described as a universal phenomenon. It is a force that collectively takes the natural course of earth, moon, stars, galaxies and various environments and automates their rhythm in relation to each other. It creates a sense of permanence between the timing, speed, distance, temperature, etc. This hypnotic rhythm takes the dominating thoughts of a human being over time and makes them permanent. which will become very difficult to change such thoughts can be positive or negative this is why poor people go on becoming more and more poor rich people go on becoming more and more rich happy people will always be happy and miserable people are always miserable this is because of the law of hypnotic rhythm according to napoleon hill so it is very important for us to understand this law and break it through conscious living and conscious creation in order to live a successful life in section 3 we will look at some of the verses from bhagavad gita to understand the nature of mind and to understand how to take control of our mind the 41st verse from the second chapter of gita goes like this vyavasayatmika buddhi ekeha kurunandana bahu shaka hayantascha buddhayo vyavasayinam so from this verse we need to understand that whatever we focus on expands and whatever we give our absolute focus and attention to we get that but the problem with human attention is that we are easily distracted we lack that strong one pointed focus or attention we want something right now and within a day or even within few hours our attention will shift on to something else 
This is why we are not able to manifest the lives that we actually want to live. So through this verse of Bhagavad Gita, we need to understand that whatever we focus on with absolute one-pointed attention, we will acquire it and we will become it. Now the 35th verse from chapter 6 of Bhagavad Gita is Shri Bhagavan Vacha Asamshayam Mahabaho Mano Durnigraham Chalam Abhyasena Tu Kaunteya now through this verse from 6th chapter, we need to understand that of course it is difficult to control the mind because our mind has become unconscious and it has taken control over us. So right now we are not in control of our minds but instead our mind is controlling us. And although it is difficult, it is definitely possible. So we need to first of all detach from this external world detached from our desires and our mind itself and realize that we are not our minds. We are that infinite consciousness which is right now associated with the mind. And through this detachment and consistent effort and repeated practice, we can begin to control and tame this mind. And like we discussed in the beginning, the sixth verse of sixth chapter says, through this continuous effort and practice, those who have conquered their minds, the mind will become their friend. If they fail to conquer the mind, it will become their worst enemy and it will become the biggest obstacle for them in their lives. In the fourth section, we will understand certain teachings and concepts from the book Psycho-Cybernetics from Maxwell Maltz and we will also understand how our personality creates our personal reality. The verse from Astavakra Gita says, Yamati Sagati Bhavet. This translates to, however we keep our minds, such a life we attract for ourselves and such a life we will live. And the second verse I wanted to talk about is, Yad Bhavam Tad Bhavati, which translates to, whatever you feel happens. So, through this we need to understand that we are unconsciously creating our realities right now. And the way we keep our mind and the way we feel and the way we think all day long is creating a certain kind of reality for us. So the first step is to understand this, recognize this and come to the zero point by being detached from this personality and this external world. After that, we can shift our attention towards our goals and direct our attention there and keep it there consistently so that we can easily achieve our goals. We need to also understand that most people in this world are unconscious and most of us are unconscious most of the time and the more we become conscious of our lives, the more we can create our lives the way we want to live. Now coming to the teachings of Psycho-Cybernetics, this is an amazing book that talks about the nature of mind which is written by Maxwell Maltz. He was basically a plastic surgeon and he used to treat various patients when it comes to transforming their faces, transforming their bodies, etc. And he observed something very interesting. He saw that not everyone who transformed their look, transformed their lives. Just because they upgraded their face to something that which looks better, not necessarily their confidence was building up and their self-image was changing. It used to happen to some of them, but many of them did not see any transformation when it came to their personality or self-image just through plastic surgery. 
After observing this, the author engages in a lot of research and later on at some point he comes up with this book. Here he elaborately explains the nature of human mind, the nature of subconscious mind and different methods and techniques one can use to achieve success. So basically what we can understand from all this and from this book is that the conscious mind works at the surface level. Our basic goal setting, evaluating different things, gathering information, organizing different things, all these works are carried on by the conscious mind. But most of our decision making and most of the life that we actually live, our subconscious mind is responsible for that and not our conscious mind. So this is the gap that we need to bridge and this is what we need to understand in order to master conscious creation. So although our conscious mind has a role to play, most of the results that we achieve in this world depends on our subconscious mind. And through clear goal setting, acting with confidence, mental picturing which is visualizing the life that we want to live and by cultivating concentration and focus, we can begin to instill new thought patterns and new personality deep into our subconscious and we can transform our self-image to live the life that we want to live. Now I will read out some of the concepts from the book directly. The subconscious mind operates based on the goals and mental images we create. It is emphasized that the goals our creative mechanism seeks to achieve are mental images or mental pictures that we create through the use of imagination. Our self-image prescribes the limits for the accomplishment of any particular goals. The book also says, when you feel successful and confident, you will act successfully. The winning feeling is a sign that your internal machinery is set for success and it does not cause you to operate successfully but indicates that you are geared for success. So through this we can understand that our mind plays a significant role when it comes to living a successful life and when it comes to living a conscious life. And here one might wonder, of course we read a lot of books like this and we watch a lot of videos, but why it is difficult for many of us to transform our lives? Why is it difficult to implement what we understand? To explain this, the author of this book uses a wonderful example. Now imagine this, there is a huge ship which is sailing in the ocean and the captain of the ship who is tiny compared to the size of the ship is controlling the ship from the top and he is setting the direction and he is setting the sails. Now what we need to understand here is the ship represents the subconscious mind and the captain of the ship represents the conscious mind. If we go a little deep into this example, the captain of the ship can never directly move the ship in any way. He cannot immediately turn the ship in a certain direction or displace it in any way. All he can do is slightly nudge the ship in the right direction and he can slightly point the ship towards a certain destination and eventually the ship will get there. The ship will go through the resistance of the waves of the tides and eventually it changes its direction and it reaches the right destination. 
So this is how we need to understand the relationship between the conscious and the subconscious mind. We need to understand that through our conscious mind, we cannot directly control the subconscious mind because the subconscious mind is a huge ship. All we can do is we can optimize the environment, we can start listening to good things, we can start practicing positive affirmations, we can start meditation, we can start visualization and like this by taking various steps we can start pointing the ship towards the right destination and the ship will eventually turn and then get to the right destination. Hello there. If you wish to understand the true nature of reality and learn about consciousness, conscious creation, and the teachings of the ancient Vedanta in order to live your life with purpose, achieve fulfillment, and consciously create a life that you truly want to live, then you can join our community come learning platform, the Advaitha Conscious Society. For more information, visit Advaitha.com. Thank you.